Hello everybody and welcome back to another podcast episode of the English with Fraser podcast. I am your host Fraser and today I will be going through an A to Z of the UK. So when I say A to Z sometimes we have A to Z maps obviously going from one place to another place from top to bottom hence the name A to Z. But this time I'm going through some A to Z of British culture, famous British monuments, people, holidays, events, traditions, cultural points of interest, topics such as that. For each letter of the alphabet I will try to give you at least two examples of popular British culture. We call that pop culture or famous history or event or person and I hope this can be of some use to you guys because for me each point is incredibly British and should highlight more about our culture and famous things that the everyday person in the UK would know but if you haven't lived in the UK you may not know or realise. So first and foremost starting with A We'll go for something incredibly famous and stereotypical even. And that's afternoon tea. So A, afternoon tea. Traditionally, afternoon tea is eaten or drunk at four o'clock in the afternoon, hence the name. This is a small meal, so it's not just a drink. It's called afternoon tea, but it's a cup of tea and then maybe a biscuit or some sandwiches with that tea. It's traditionally tea, but it can be coffee. Nowadays, afternoon tea is more of a, an event or the name for a meal than the actual tea itself. We also often consume afternoon tea with scones or scones. Now, scones are these sort of bready baked cake, sort of between a cake and bread. And on top of that, you put cream and jam. Now there's a debate, there's two debates here, it's either scone or scone. I say scone, I think. Even I don't know. Whatever you say naturally. I say scone. And then the second debate is do you put the cream on or the jam on first? Now this is a key point. In my opinion, the cream works in a similar fashion as butter. So I would put cream on top of each side of the scone and then I'd put a dollop of jam on after. So I'd butter almost, I'd cream each side of the scone and then put the jam on top. This is incredibly English so afternoon tea and scones you'll be able to buy this in cafes and places of that nature across the UK. Often the tea is in a teapot and then you pour it out yourself. We also have afternoon tea, so tea, drink the tea with some small sandwiches. These sandwiches are often cut into triangles and they have slices of cucumber, maybe, maybe prawns, maybe chicken, something like this. Also you could have pastries, so we call these pastries danishes. And I believe they're called Danishes because they originate from Denmark. However, I'm sure they're called something else in different places. A Danish is a generally sweet pastry. 
They might be filled with jam, marmalade. My favourite's a, a pecan plat that's filled with pecan nuts and sort of caramel cream. Something of that nature. Afternoon tea is not as popular nowadays because generally speaking at four o'clock most people go to work and most people are working at four o'clock. However, there's still people that have afternoon tea at four every day. Maybe those who are retired, maybe some mothers who are stay-at-home mothers and look after children. They might go to a friend's house and have tea. So it's still a strong, strong tradition here in the UK. Now, next for A, we have Anglo-Saxons. The Anglo-Saxons came to the UK in around 450 AD, after death of Jesus Christ. The Roman army army were here in the UK before the Anglo-Saxons. However, they vacated from the UK in 410 AD. When they had left, there was no longer a strong army to defend England and the UK. So tribes started to come to the UK and settle there. Some of these tribes were the Angla tribe, the Saxon tribe and the Jute tribe. Essentially, these tribes merged together to make the Anglo-Saxons. They were originally from Germany, Denmark and Northern Holland and rode across the North Sea in wooden boats. Anglo-Saxons ruled most of Britain, however never conquered Cornwall, the south of Wales and Scotland in the north. For B, I'm going to start with bank holidays. I believe I may have already mentioned bank holiday in a previous episode, but for us in the UK, it's a very natural thing to say. Oh, is that a bank holiday? Oh, great. I'm not at work. It's a bank holiday. Essentially, bank holidays are public holidays in the United Kingdom when banks and many other businesses are shut and closed for the day. As such, often, as you'll be working in a business, your business is shut. It's quite unlikely you'll be open on a bank holiday. However, sometimes there are restaurants and cafes that are open. It's worth knowing that bank holidays are not like other special days such as Remembrance Day, bonfire night or Halloween. There's no special occasion linked to a bank holiday and every year the government confirm which days a bank holiday and which days businesses will be shut and most likely you'll have a day off work. If we look at this year, 2023, we had New Year's Day off, so that was the 2nd of January this year. If the bank holiday falls on a weekend, it is often pushed to the next day. So if it's on a Sunday, it may be a Monday. So the 2nd of Jan this year. Good Friday, 7th of April, and Easter Monday, 10th of April. We always have two bank holidays around Easter, as we are still a fairly religious country. There's always a May bank holiday. So we had a early May bank holiday on the 1st of May. And we also had a spring bank holiday, which was the 29th of May. And then there's always a summer bank holiday in August. So we always have New Year's, Easter around April, a May bank holiday or two in May, one in summer and then Christmas. So it should be 
more or less six or seven bank holidays every year. Summer bank holiday was August the 28th and then the two we haven't had yet that are coming up quickly. Christmas Day, 25th of December. Everybody has that as a bank holiday and you shouldn't have to work. And also Boxing Day on the 26th. So both the 25th 5th and the 26th of December are bank holidays and we don't have to work. This year we also had an additional bank holiday for the coronation of King Charles. So that was a nice little bonus to have another bank holiday there and another day off work. So next we have beef eaters. You may be thinking, what are beef eaters? Maybe it's sort of a a hostile remark, a, a joke at British people calling them beef eaters because we like to eat roast beef. I know the French call us roast beef. But no, beef eaters are actually the guards at the Tower of London. In principle, they are responsible for looking after any prisoners at the Tower and safeguarding the British crown jewels. But nowadays, in practice, they act as tour guides and are a tourist attraction in their own right. Where does the name Beef Eater originate from? Well, as I previously mentioned, the name Beef Eater is often thought to come from the French word bouffetaire. And bouffetaires were guards in the palace of French kings and protected the king's food. However, the name Beef Eater is more likely to have originated from the time when the, the yeoman warders at the tower were paid part of their salary with chunks of beef. And this took place right up until the 1800s. Lastly, the British Isles. Now, the British Isles is a geographical term which includes two large islands, Great Britain and Ireland, including 5,000 small islands in between. Most notably is the Isle of Man and also the Isle of Wight. The British Isles are occupied by two nations. So this is an important point to identify between the two of them. In the British Isles is the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom is part of the British Isles. And there's also the Republic of Ireland. The Republic of Ireland does not include Northern Ireland. So when we say the United Kingdom, this is treated as one collective country, even though there are countries within this. Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, United Kingdom is treated as one entity, one country. The Republic of Ireland, so Ireland, is a completely separate country with separate culture, its own people, its own culture, even has its own language. Yes, they speak English, but it has Gaelic, its own language. So when you hear British Isles, that will be the whole of the UK and Ireland together. Those countries all as one. But it's important to remember the United Kingdom is part of the British Isles. When we say the British Isles and we just mean the UK, that would be incorrect. For C, I'm going to start with something incredibly British and that is a crumpet. Now a crumpet is usually eaten at breakfast, but it also could be enjoyed for afternoon tea as we specified earlier. Now a crumpet is a small griddle bread made from unsweetened batter 
and is popular in the UK but also in some of the Commonwealth nations. Generally speaking, you have butter on a crumpet. So because it's griddled, there's sort of holes on the top of the crumpet. So when you spread the butter, the butter seeps into all of these holes of the crumpet and then the crumpet absorbs the butter. So you get a nice buttery bite every time for every bite. They're also really good with jam. If I have them with jam, it seems more of a breakfast item. I associate having crumpets a lot when I'm at my nan's house. It's a bit of a tradition to go there and have crumpets for breakfast. Now, with a crumpet, you'll prepare it like toast. So don't eat them as they are from the packet. Put them in a toaster, two minutes, come out really hot, immediately spread butter on them. They're ready to go. They're good to eat. Now, the next one for C is Commonwealth, or the actual official name is Commonwealth of Nations. So the Commonwealth is an international association of 56 member states, and the vast majority of these member states are former territories of the British Empire across the 19th and start of the 20th century. There's also a Commonwealth Games, which acts as a similar event to the Olympics, but just involving the Commonwealth nations. For example, some of the Commonwealth nations include New Zealand, Australia, Ghana, islands in the Caribbean. There's a lot of them. India, Pakistan. As you can imagine, the UK colonised a lot of the world back in the day. So the Commonwealth Games are games between them. My great uncle actually competed in the Commonwealth Games for Australia. He's English. He was born in the UK, in London, the same as my granddad, and eventually migrated over to Australia. And him and my granddad were both really into competitive walking, which is sort of speed walking. It's like a long distance race, but you can only have one foot touching the floor at all times. So when you jog, as you can imagine, jog and run, you're going quick that both feet can be in the air at the same time. That's an illegal move in competitive walking. And he competed for Australia, as he had been living there for a long time, in the Commonwealth Games. And I think he even received a bronze. I'm pretty sure he he, he, he had a bronze. So a um, little bit of interesting facts for you there about my family and the Commonwealth. D is for double-decker bus. Now, if you think of a double-decker bus, you probably have this visualisation, this image in your head of a red bus. And for me, I also do. Red bus is the classic double-decker bus. However, it should be known that the red bus, the red double-decker, the classic ones, are only found in London. So if you're coming to the UK as a tourist, I would of course recommend London. And there you can see the original double-decker buses. For me, they're fairly normal. It's just a bus with two stories, top deck, bottom deck. Whenever I ride a bus, it is usually a double-decker. For example, the ones where I live are orange. And in Reading, the town I live in in the UK, 
there are different coloured double deckers for different routes. So there's, it's essentially a rainbow. There's blue, green, there's even a lion one with like lion print on the side, pink, maroon, turquoise, orange, which are my two. So double decker buses, you get them all over the UK, but the classics are definitely in London. They're the red ones. Also, nowadays there's only one front door, so there's a front door to get on, and you use that door to get off. The ones in London may have a front door to get on, and also a side door that the bus driver opens, and you can get off that way. That's more with the London ones. The red ones only have one door on and off. It used to be that there was a bus driver and also a ticket. Um, officer who used to stand at the back, used to jump on the bus, give your money to the ticket officer, he'd give you a ticket and then you get on and that way the bus driver can focus on driving. Now there's usually only one member operating the bus, so that's just the driver. The, the driver takes the fees for the fares and then lets you on. Now with modern technology you can scan your credit card contactless and pay for the ticket that way. Or you can buy a ticket on the app and then you scan it and then there's sort of a, a barcode scanner and it goes boop and then lets you on. You can still of course use cash if you'd like to and have spare cash but it's a lot quicker and easier to use credit card or the app to get on and off the bus. I think the ticket for me where I live is £2. In London you have a an Oyster card, you top off this Oyster card and it allows you to travel on all transport across London and you'd use this Oyster card like a contactless so you'd scan the Oyster card and then it would let you on, you bought your ticket. For E is Elizabeth II, that's Queen Elizabeth II, the longest serving monarch of the United Kingdom who passed away sadly last year. We couldn't do a A to Z of the UK without the Queen. Now, Queen Elizabeth II was born on the 21st of April 1926 and her birthday was officially celebrated on the second Saturday of June every year and that day was referred to as the Troopin' of the Colour or the Queen's Birthday Parade. She is a constitutional monarch. This means that although, although she is officially the head of the state, the country is actually run by the government and led by the Prime Minister. So the powers that the monarch used to have are not as relevant nowadays because those powers are passed on to the Prime Minister and he or she is given the power to rule. Now the Queen used to live at Buckingham Palace, however there are also other palaces that she's changed location and lived in. For example, Windsor Castle, that one's fairly near me, and I visited that in the summer. An interesting fact for you, if you want to know whether the, well, now it's the king, but if you wanted to know whether the queen or the king is in, as in they're living in that castle at that time, if, if the flag of the Union Jack is flying on top of the castle, that means the monarch is currently living, so the, they're, and they're currently in. So it's sort of a flag that says, yes, I'm living here. 
Now, the Queen's official title was Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, of the United Kingdom, of Great Britain, and Northern Ireland. So, as I mentioned, she was the longest serving monarch that we ever had. She ascended to the throne on the 6th of February 1952, after the death of her father, King George VI, and her coronation followed on the 2nd of June. 1953. The Queen was married to Prince Philip, who also died fairly recently, I want to say two years ago, I think it was 2021. And he was the son of Prince and Princess Andrew of Greece and Denmark. So Prince Philip was Greek. For F, we have the most famous, in my opinion, the words that everybody thinks of when they say England or Britain or the UK, the first thing that comes to their head, the thing they joke about, and the most delicious. That's of course fish and chips, even more famous than the crumpet. Now fish and chips really is a national treasure. It really is the cornerstone of English and British cuisine. Like many of things, fish and chips was brought to the UK by different immigrants. So the story is it was introduced by Spanish and Portuguese Jewish immigrants in the 16th century. However, the modern day fish and chips has been a classic here for over hundreds of years, originating in 1860 to 1910 when fish and chip shops started popping up and increasing the popularity. Now, one of the potential reasons fish and chips are so popular is during the First and Second World War, it was not subject to rationing. So, rations were introduced during the war as there was a scarcity, which means a lack of supply of certain foods. This meant, for example, Normally, you could go to the shop and buy three loaves of bread if you needed to. During rationing, you were subject to only a certain amount of each product that the government decided. So they might say you can have half a loaf of bread. You can have a small bag of sugar. You can have one bag of potatoes. And that's it. You can't buy any more than what you get allocated. Now, fish and chips, especially the fish, wasn't rationed, so this mean means it wasn't available, so it wasn't readily available. So that meant after the war, people wanted it even more because they couldn't eat it for a while. Fish and chips is also historically enjoyed on a Friday. Now, there are a couple of reasons for this. First and foremost, once you finish, finish a long week of work and you want to try and have some delicious food, often you'll go to a restaurant or have takeaway because you're tired end of the week you want to treat I'm going to treat myself fish and chips is very famous for that on a Friday but another reason could be is that there is a long-standing Roman Catholic tradition of not eating meat on Fridays especially during Lent now fish and chips of course doesn't have any meat in it so people often went to get fish and chips on a Friday because they didn't eat meat of course, the whole of the UK isn't Catholic, it's more 
Protestant being the Church of England, but it's definitely one point to consider and that has undoubtedly had an effect on the popularity of fish and chips. So, fish and chips. usually have white fish, so cod, haddock, place, something of this description. And that's covered in a batter which is made of flour, water, maybe some vinegar. That's deep fried in vegetable oils, sometimes lard from, from meat, which gives it a different flavour. So that's battered, deep fried, and then chips. So potatoes are cut into chips, so thick chip shapes, and they're also fried as well. So generally speaking, it's a very calorific and quite a fat meal, but sometimes when you just want something like that, it really hits the spot. You can also get a jumbo sausage, so you either get battered fish, a jumbo sausage, so a big sausage, a battered sausage, that sausage also battered and deep fried, or you can also get a pie. So pie and chips is quite popular up north. The sauce of choice for me is always ketchup, and then I have to have vinegar on the chips and fish. So salt and vinegar, unbelievable. Salt and vinegar on the chips, on the fish, ketchup on the side, lovely. If you're eating fish, also quite popular in the UK is tartar sauce. Now this is made of gherkins, and it's it's like a, a mayonnaise gherkin sauce with a nice tang to it it's got that tanginess it's quite sharp that's unbelievable with fish really love that so of course i do love fish and chips being from england g is a more unique one and this is guy fawkes or commonly guy fawkes night which is referred to as bonfire night on the 5th of november every year 400 years ago, in 1605, a man called Guy Fawkes and a group of plotters attempted to blow up the Houses of Parliament in London. Now, you may be aware of the Houses of Parliament. This is where Parliament meets and discusses policy and debates. It's a very famous building located in the centre of London. So Guy Fawkes and his crew, he wasn't actually the main mastermind behind it but he sort of took the rap so he got blamed with it the most when they were all, all to blame and he's remembered the most um so they went to the houses of parliament with barrels of gunpowder and placed them in the basement and they wanted to kill king james and the king's leaders so why did guy fawkes want to kill king james when Queen Elizabeth I took the throne of England, she made some laws against the Roman Catholics. Guy Fawkes was one of a small group of Catholics who felt that the government was treating Roman Catholics unfairly. They hoped that by blowing up the Houses of Parliament would change the laws, but it didn't. So the Catholics had to practice their religion in secret. They were even fined for people who didn't attend the Protestant church on Sunday or on holy days. James I passed more laws against the Catholics when he became king. A group of men led by Robert Cattersby plotted to kill King James and blow up the Houses of Parliament. The Houses of Parliament is of course the place where the laws that governed 
England are made and are still made to this day. The plot was fairly simple. The next time Parliament was opened by King James I, they would blow up everyone there with gunpowder. The men had bought a house next door to the Parliament building. The house even had a cellar which went under the Parliament building. They planned to put gunpowder under the house and blow up Parliament and the King. However, Guy Fawkes was discovered. He was given the job to keep watch over the barrels of gunpowder and to light the fuse. On the morning of the 5th of November, soldiers discovered Guy hidden in the cellar and arrested him. The trail of gunpowder at his feet was never lit. To celebrate, King James decided there should be a celebration for his survival and he ordered that the people of England should have a great bonfire on the night of the 5th of November. Also on this bonfire, people make fake cutouts and fake um, Guy Fawkes that they throw on the fire and this is sort of part of the celebration. The event is commonly celebrated by bonfires, which are massive fires. You put sticks, firewood, make a big bonfire, maybe cardboard, light it, and then everyone gathers around and watches it, and also fireworks. So it's also called Firework Night on the 5th of November. Another one for G is one that I'm going to add is Greg's. Now, Greg's is a national bakery that is popular up and down the country. Originally from the north of England, Greg's has a very famous item called the sausage roll. You may have heard of Greg's sausage roll. So it's sausage meat wrapped in pastry. Uh, there's lines across the pastry to give it air. And then this is cooked in an oven at high temperature and enjoyed hot. Recently, they've added a vegan sausage roll. So for those that don't eat meat or pork, and there's been some controversy around this. I personally haven't tried a Greg sausage, uh, Greg's vegan sausage roll, but a friend of mine from work has, and he says they're pretty good. So you'll definitely see a Greg's when you're in the UK. It can be identified by the blue of the advertising, and then there's a an orange sort of logo next to it, and then the words Greg's in big white. Lastly, for this episode H, we have hot crust bun. Now, a hot cross bun is a spiced bun usually made with fruit marked with a cross on top of the bun. And this is traditionally eaten on Good Friday in the UK, which is an Easter. They can be available all year round, however, generally only consumed in and around the Easter period. Hot cross buns are important because they mark the end of the Christian season of Lent. Often, the same as crumpets, you'll enjoy a hot cross bun by spreading butter on them, toasted, well, toasting them, spreading butter, and then eating them. Also for H, I wanted to do a additional small one, and that's HMS. Now, HMS stands for Her Majesty's Ship, and often you'll see, for example, big battleships named the HMS something, so the HMS Belfast, the HMS Vanguard. These are all big battleships that were used in wars and world wars and if you see HMS that simply stands for Her Majesty's Ship. Great now hope you enjoyed part one and I'll see you guys soon for part two where we'll go through the rest of the alphabet and I'll explain even more popular British culture references from A to Z. Thanks for listening 
leave a five-star review and see everybody soon.